welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I will not mind be done. Okay, so thank you everybody for being here today. My name is Chaim, I'm a recovering sexaholic. And we are finishing up step three, moving along the steps. Step three, it says we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God, as we understand Him. And we spoke about this a little bit, but it's important. I just want to make mention to it again. Is how am I supposed to turn my will and my life over to anybody or anything? And not only how should I, but, but why should I? What's, what, what's pushing me to do that? I have my will. I have my necessities. I have my belief system. I, I truly believe that what I'm doing, um, I want to do. That's why I do it. Sometimes maybe I don't believe it, but I still want to do it. <laughs> Who are you program to tell me to turn my will and my life? It, like, it, it breaks it down. Not only turn your life over, but turn your, your will over to, to a higher power. Who, who are you to do that? Like why, when, where? And I think um, we spoke about very, very um, strongly that without a firm, solid, bedrock foundation of I am a sexaholic, it makes my life completely unmanageable. I am absolutely powerless over sex and lust. There is no way for me to be willing to do that. Which leads into really the topic of today's meeting. Step three, where we make a decision to turn our will and our life over to the care of God. What that tells me in my journey in recovery for the past almost 13 years is I need to, I need to be willing to, to, how would I say this, to go to any lengths for my sexual sobriety. And I want to read, um, you know, chapter five, one of the most important pages, I believe, in the, in the big book. Okay? Really have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who did not recover are those people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program. Again, we're in a fellowship where people are failing <coughs> and are not staying sexually sober or getting small periods of sobriety and then acting out. But it says over here, it shouldn't be that way. Rarely have we seen a person fail 
who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover, so now we explain. So if you're one of those that are not recovering, are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program. It doesn't say people that will not give themselves to the simple program. And this is extremely, extremely important. These are people who will not completely give themselves over to this simple program. It's unreal. People who will not completely give themselves over to the simple program. If there's anything that you've learned from being in this fellowship, is if you look around the fellowship and you see why people are not staying sexually sober, or are relapsing, or continuously wonder why it's not working, it says over here, rarely have we seen a person fail. The people that fail are those that do not completely give themselves over to this program. And he continues to explain what that means. Usually men and women who are consciously incapable of being honest with themselves. Most of the time when I, when I talk about this topic and I ask people, so are you willing to give yourself over completely to this program? Say yeah. So he goes on to tell you why you're still not going to stay sober. Because you can't even be rigorously honest and just simply say, no, I'm not willing to give myself over completely to this program. What do you mean? I give myself over to the program. What, do you mean? what does that mean? What does that mean? I call my sponsor, I go to meetings, I work the stats. What does that mean? How are you to tell me that I don't, I don't give myself over to this program? Get honest. Get honest. For me, what that looks like is, how about taking a chance and calling 10 guys in the fellowship that are sober over 10 years? And ask them what they needed to do to get sober and stay sober. Before calling them, I would suggest you writing down what you do for your sobriety. Not after you call them. But once you call them, your list is going to look like their list. So make your list before calling them. I'll take it even a step for- further. If you're staying sexually sober, but you're miserable in this program, or a step further, you're staying sexually sober, you're not miserable, but this program sucks. You're not getting the marrow out of this program. Pull the 10 people, make your list before what you, your recovery looks like, and then compare notes to their recovery. Especially their recovery in the first year or two of recovery. And then ask yourself, do you want what the 10 guys have? If you do, then go get it. Do what they did. Imagine you were like, you know, basically dead broke, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars under. You have no way to get out. Somebody tells you, hey, there's 10 guys that were exactly like you. Had your financial problems, broke, owed a lot of debt. These 10 guys figured out not only how to get out of debt, but to get out of debt and become extremely wealthy. 
What do you mean? I'm trying to get out of debt. What do you mean? I, I do things. I go to work. What do you mean? I, I budget. Yeah, just speak to those 10 guys. They were where you are. They figured out how to get out of it. And just follow their direction. Do what they do. And you'll become them. <clears throat> but if we walk around in the fellowship, if I feel for myself, what do, you, what do you mean? I work a serious program. I take this program serious. What do you mean? I could even show you my notes of what I've done in recovery. Until we get rigorously honest, we cannot recover. There are such unfortunate, they are not at fault. They seem to be born that way. They're naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. The chances are less than average. There are those two who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders. But many of them do recover if they have the capability of being honest. Here we go. Our story discloses in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, and what we are like now. In a general way, I masturbated daily numerous times. In a general way, I've gone to strip clubs and massage parlors. In a general way, I had no way of stopping. In a general way, I would sneak movies and DVDs into my home. In a general way, I would do a lot, a lot of behaviors that I wish, I wish to God that I never do again. In a general way. And I couldn't stop. And I tried. Oh, did I try to stop. I tried like everybody here and wished and wanted and prayed and did. So my story is exactly <coughs> like yours. If you have decided you want what we have. These 10 guys that are sober. Let's call it for over 10 years. And are willing to go to any lengths to get it. The key words of recovery. And are willing to go to any lengths to get it. It's like it started off saying, completely give yourself over to this program. I'm willing to go to any lengths to get it. Then you are ready to take certain steps. If you are willing to go to any lengths to stay sexually sober and work this program, I guarantee you, you will be happy, joyous, and free and sexually sober. You know how I know? Because that's what they told me. And I did it. At some of these, we balked. We thought we could not, we, we could find an easier way. Maybe I don't have to do this. Hi, maybe a little bit like, like anal when it comes to this type of stuff. Maybe a little nuts. Maybe you gazed up when it comes to this. Maybe, maybe there's an easier way. What do you mean I'm in this fellowship? I see easier guys. I see guys not doing what you're saying. Maybe go talk to them. See what their life looks like. What are you talking about? What do you mean? I'm sober and I didn't have to kill myself backwards upside down. Okay. I'm giving you my experience of being in this fellowship for 13 years. 
and being committed to this fellowship and watching hundreds of guys come and go, not stay sober. Maybe there is an easier way. I don't know of it. Ask those other 10 guys. We thought we could find an easier way, a softer way. Not only easier, but softer. But the big book says straight out, but we could not. Nachayim says, not those guys who are so into this recovery program, and those guys believe that there's, there isn't a soft, there is a soft, no. The big book says straight out, but we could not. With all our earnestness at our command, we beg of you, this is the program begging of each of one of us individually. We beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Some of us have tried to hold on to old ideas. This is all the workshops that we did up until this point. Some of us try to hold on to old ideas. You don't get it, you don't understand part of a religious community I have to I'm committed I, 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 my wife my kids old ideas old messages who said there is a punish maybe there is a punishing God maybe there is um, reward and, and, and punishment who decided that you have a monopoly over who God is maybe maybe some of us had to try to hold on to old ideas and the results were nil. Nil means zero, nothing. <coughs> and he says these phenomenal words, we let go absolutely. We let go absolutely. Remember we, fought, we, we deal with alcohol cunning, baffling, and powerful. Without help, it is too much for us. But there is one who has all power. That one is God. May you find him now. That's the entire program. We try an easier way. We think we could BS. We could lie. I've done it. I'm willing to challenge those people that are struggling in program if they did what I did in early recovery. I'm willing to challenge those sponsors who are sponsoring people who are not getting sober if they're really willing to give over this message. This is not my message. I'm just reading a page in the big book. I didn't exaggerate one word. It says it straight out. But we need to be willing to let go, absolutely. We need to let go of our old ideas. Absolutely. We need to be willing to go to any lens. Absolutely. Any lens. I was on the phone with one of the guys in our fellowship last night. And I asked him straight out, he's struggling, he's in fellowship for years. Are you willing to let go? Are you willing to go to any lens in recovery one day at a time? And he said, yeah, sure. I said, are you willing to do that? Have you done that in your journey in recovery? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Have you done it for three months in a row? No. 
Have you done it for two months in a row? No. 30 days? No. Okay. So you want to know why you're not sober. The big book says straight out. Chapter five. We need to let go absolutely and we need to be willing to go to any lengths. For me, step three, we give our will and our lives over to the care of God means exactly this. Letting go absolutely and saying, you know something, I am done. I give my will over to God. He is going to run my life for me. If it means letting go of jobs, careers, the way I dress, the watch I wear, the car I drive, the attitude, the friends, the religion, my brain, that's a big one. Letting go of my brain, I don't get the right to decide how I live my life today. We can't recover. We can't. It's that simple. When step three says we give our will and our life over to the care of God as we understand it means we give ourselves over to God means I am willing to go to any lengths and I don't care where the chips drop. You know what that sounds like? Us, when we're about to act out. The efforts. I don't care where the chips drop. I don't give a blankety blank about my wife or kids. I don't care about my job. I don't care if the cops come and I get busted. Comes in recovery, we're so healthy. We'd be home, my wife, my children, my job, my career. All of a sudden, we have everything figured out. Why we can't show up at a meeting? Why we can't do step work? Any lens, it says. For me, any lens means I'm willing to die to this disease completely. I was on the phone yesterday with another old-timer, and based on the news of, you know, a guy in our community just died and killed himself, suicide, and based on people getting divorced, based on this disease, and people just acting out and not being able to stop, and this guy was like, I'm nauseous, I could throw up from the insanity of our disease. And we were talking, and I asked him straight out. I confronted him straight out. I said, is this the message that you're giving over? Is the message of, that you're giving over this that we're talking about right now? Or you're trying to give people a lukewarm message in order to get sober? You have cancer, buddy, but I just want to let you know it's really a cold. Two Tylenols, go to bed, you'll be okay. When you know that guy has cancer, when you know that guy's going to blow his brains out. Two days ago, the most, such an uncomfortable thing. One of the guys, he's sitting here. <laughs> He's going away for a week to Cancun with his family. Sober for 30 days. Who am I to tell the guy not to go? But if you go, you're not staying sober, buddy. I don't know what to do. I didn't go. My sponsor didn't let me do shit. Part of my French for the first 30 days. Nothing. When I called Henoch, who was sober then at 30 years, uh, um, 18 years. And I said, so Hannah, so what do I do with my life all day? He said, get to another meeting. Get to another meeting. Get to another workshop. Go out to eat for lunch. Speak to somebody else. Read, write, journal, program. I said, then what do I do? And then get to another meeting. 
You don't realize how sick you are. You don't realize how sick you are. I know myself. Every year of staying sexually sober, I realize more how sick I am. Now more how healthier I'm becoming. More how sick I am, how cunning and baffling this disease is. It's relentless. I was sober for maybe uh, nine months, ten months. I was on the computer. I was about to book a trip. Me and two other guys, good guys, to go to Israel for a week. Sober for nine months, good guy. I'm working a serious program. I was about to press go. And all of a sudden, a thought hit me. You don't make decisions in the first year of recovery without your sponsor. I picked up the phone. I called my sponsor. I said, I'm just about to press go. I'm going to, I'm going to Israel. I'm just informing you, sponsor. That's what we do in this fellowship. We don't ask for the direction. We inform our sponsor. Sponsor is weak. Doesn't want to lose us as sponsees. So what the sponsor says is, enjoy the trip. Which usually means the sponsee is sponsoring the sponsor. So I did one of those, and my sponsor, which I'm forever grateful for, said, I would strongly recommend not going here in your first year, if I remember correctly. I said, three months. <laughs> Hello, I'm sober. You know the program I work. The lying, the program I work. In the first year of sobriety, I couldn't stop watching porn. But in my head, I'm sober. But in my head, I'm working this damn good program. When I mean I couldn't stop watching, meaning I couldn't stop, I wasn't watching daily. It means there were times in the first year of recovery that I, I, I've seen porn. I couldn't pull away from it. We are so diseased that the only thing some guys will take out of this meeting is Chaim watched porn in the first year of sobriety so I could also instill pull myself sober. That's how sick we are. And I am so sick from your sickness that I'm scared to tell you that I watched porn in the first year because I think you're going to walk away then and take the fact that you're going to watch porn the first year in sobriety so I won't tell you that I watched it. So you know what ends up happening? You stay sick, I stay sick, and I will never confront you that that's what you're going to walk away with from this meeting. So you'll actually watch porn in the first year of sobriety. Honesty and rigorous honesty is what, I, what I'm talking about right now. No, I didn't say you could watch porn in the first year of sobriety. <clears throat> And my sponsor told me not to go, and I didn't go. And he promised me, anything you give up now, you will get back tenfold later. And it did. <coughs> Got it back tenfold later. Five years sobriety, I went with my wife for ten days to Israel. It was a trip of our life. <clears throat> but it's not about, I want to be clear, it's not about that one big gongo move. Quitting my job. Okay, see, I went to any lens. It's an attitude, it's an experience. I'm done, I let go. If you're the guy that struggles to come to meetings on time, I let go of the right to, to come late to meetings. It means I let go. Absolutely, I let go. If you're the guy that has a hard time picking up the phone, I let go means I stop picking up the phone daily because I don't have the tools. 
So you know what I do? I ask God, God, pick up the phone for me because I can't. I make myself extremely uncomfortable in recovery the first year in order to be comfortable the rest of my life. So the image and the picture for me, what it looked like the first year of sobriety, we had to create meetings. There wasn't enough meetings in the, in the Lakewood Fellowship. <laughs> Daily, we created new meetings. There was only, I think, two meetings then. We created a meeting a day in the fellowship when there wasn't meetings so I went to Cranford and I went to Metuchen and I went to, even though I'm a Jewish religious boy, I was willing to just follow direction and walk into churches, which for me, I thought you're not allowed to and you're not supposed to. I was so religious with my, my religion that before coming into program, I missed prayer with, a, with an assembly maybe five times. I almost left this fellowship because I saw people praying over here after the meetings. I was like, I'm a religious guy. You don't do that. I even left strip clubs to go pray in a, with a meeting. You know how religious I was? I needed to let go of all of that. I needed to take my program so <coughs> damn serious. I needed to admit that I am so sick from this disease that I can't juggle religion, finances, marriage, and program. I can't just do it all. I can't. And I needed to be willing to find God in this fellowship. Like so many old timers said, we're not in the debating society. We're not deciding which God, what God, where, where, who, when, and how. But the God of the big book kept me sober. Find him or die. <coughs> Why does that, is that the way it works? We could talk about it. But either way, that's what works. I would strongly recommend everybody, you want to know your, your third step. Your third step, you should write down what it means for you to go to any lens. Absolutely. What are you willing to give up for this program? The first year of sobriety, my sponsor couldn't hold a job. Couldn't go to work. I couldn't. Many other guys couldn't. Over here, a guy's sober for two weeks. I'm getting jobs. I'm flipping. I'm doing. I'm coming here. I'm going there. How are you staying sober working finances the way you're working it? I couldn't juggle finances and keep my zipper closed. I can't do anything but work on keeping my zipper closed. And then a nagging wife and a, and a wife who's in trauma mode and in pain and in confusion and then I have to deal with her and stay sober and carry a job and get to, 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 to synagogue and, and I can't. What are you asking from me? But of course I'm willing to go to synagogue and be there for my wife and children otherwise I don't get laid. So who gives a crap about program? I gotta just get laid. Laid or staying sexually sober? Hmm, that's an interesting one. I just got to do it with my wife once, otherwise I don't get laid at home. I remember the day my wife came over to me and said, you know something, your program actually works. And she stopped fighting me. 
on the things that we fought about. Because she saw I was becoming just the guy that she really wants. So she's, she's going she's gonna to hound me to go to synagogue. She's going to hound me to, to, to learn with my kids. I'm exactly what she wants me to be. And she saw it across the board. I'm treating her like a queen. She could do no wrong. I worship the floor she walks on. It's only what Roy K. holds. It's not my opinion again. I bow to her every word. I stop fighting with her. I admit when I'm wrong. I love her. I take care of her. I adore her. And then the kids see that type of attitude. And I'm of service for my family. I gave my will and my life over so I don't come in and say, family worship me. I do the opposite. I'm grateful that I still have a home to go to. I still have a wife to go to. I worship them. And then all of a sudden things just fall into place. My whole life I'm sitting there trying to get my wife, my children, my finances, my religion, my me, 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 me. You know what program says? Give it all up and you'll get it all. Yeah, but how do you pay the bills? I don't know. Ask those 10 guys. Yeah, but how do you... So are you saying, Chaim, that everybody should quit the job? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you're struggling and you're lust, it's like the guy who all of a sudden had a relapse in his insulin and the lack thereof, and he's a diabetic, and all of a sudden he's having a seizure or God knows what's going on. And instead of running to the hospital, you know what he does? He's busy with his finances. You look at the guy and you say, you're mentally ill. You're struggling with your lust. What are you dealing with your finances for? You're struggling with your marriage. What are you dealing with your finances for? And this fellowship, especially this fellowship, is so lucky that we have so many big doctors running around this fellowship. You have guys that are... Do you know this fellowship, the Lakewood Fellowship running, has 25 guys over five years sober? 10 guys or more over 10 years sober? Over 50 guys a year sober? When I came into the fellowship, there was two guys sober over two years. I believe there was one guy sober over a year. Everybody else was in the first six months. Everybody else is the last three guys, by the way. It's 90 over a year. There's 90 over a year? 90 over a year. How many doctors and people you could walk around and ask them, like, how does this work? And if you're four years sober or seven years sober and your life is not happy, joyous, and free, you know how many guys you could go to who is? And you could simply ask them, so what do I do? And just follow their direction. Don't fight. That's step three. I give my will and my life over to the care of God. For me, that means this, my sponsor and this fellowship. And when I do that, life just works out. And then when the lust hits, I commit. I gave my life over to this program. I don't lust anymore. Didn't you give your life over to this program? Didn't you say you're done with that? Yeah, but when the craving hits... You didn't hit your knees in the morning? You didn't bow to this disease? You didn't commit under any circumstance? And then if it does happen, because it happens to everybody, that you did take the action or loss, you pick up the phone, you get to your sponsor, you call somebody else. You're willing to die before taking the next action. That's how this program works. I get these phone calls all the time. 
in the beginning, a guy comes into program and hears this type of talk from me or the old timers or Harvey, or, and, and people resent it and fight it. And it's like, what are you doing? And you're so harsh. And it's not the message of the standard guy in program. We're a loving fellowship. In English, it's called codependent on each other. We, 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 we were so like, what are you doing? And then three years later, those are the guys that call. I'm like, why didn't you hit me over the head with a two by four and give me this message stronger and stronger? Why isn't more guys talking about this message? Why don't? Why isn't it? Why isn't it spewing out of recovery that you cannot recover unless you're willing to go to any lengths in this fellowship? And I'll be vulnerable, and I'll finish off with this. You know what any lens looks like for me today? Because this, this is not a one grandiose thing that happens one time. My wife's trauma of, of sex and lust came up more recently <coughs> for her, for the 80th time. And she's not interested in being intimate. She's not interested. She's not interested in even like, coming close to me. So here Chaim, the guy who's talking about staying sober and the gifts of recovery and the, the, the program and life work. Chaim's wife doesn't even want to come over to him. Not because she doesn't love him, she's loving me to pieces. She says she wishes our kids have a father like, like uh, I mean, not our kids. She wishes our kids have a husband like she has. She loves me, she adores me, her trauma came up. Today, for me, the willingness to go to any lengths is not shaming her, not belittling her, not pressuring her, not pushing her, not making her feel stupid about her drama, um, adoring her, giving her her space, giving her sensitivity. You think I don't like sex? You think I don't want it? But what's with the little Chaim and the child? And, and he, but he needs it, and it's a right of every human man, and it's a, 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 true, true. And it hurts, and it sucks like hell. I am willing to go to any lengths to stay sexually sober. <coughs> any lengths means any lengths. Doesn't mean every time it's going to be hunky-dory. Life comes with challenges and difficulties. I'm here to tell you that you cannot build your finances in your first year of sobriety, your marriage and your religion and your family life and, 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 and. I'm just laying that out there. I haven't seen it be done. I need more than every single aspect of my being to fight for recovery. You know how? By surrendering, by stopping to fight, by letting go absolutely. I need every ammunition in my arsenal. That when I see a woman and I want to lust after her, I can say, God, whatever it is I'm looking for in her, may I find in you. Particularly her breasts at this moment. God, I want a relationship with you like I want a relationship with her. And that's hard. Because I don't want to pray. I want to lust after her. I like her legs right now. I'm not interested in letting it go. I'm not interested in giving it up. And we are so diseased, and I could talk for myself, that this talk tomorrow means zilch when I see that girl. This talk when we walk out here means zilch when I see 
that guy with that girl and my brain goes to that lucky guy, so I want to kill him. You think the same a little bit? It's, it's out the window. And therefore I need to do this daily and hourly because our disease, on top of the disease of what we have, we forget everything we, I just said. Not only do you forget it, I forget it. I'm being real with you. I walk out of here and I forget everything I said. I just want to conquer the world. I want to make money. Leave me to hell alone. And wow, is she hot. Oh, shit. That's what goes on. And that's why I need to be willing and willing daily. Irrelevant if I'm doing well. I don't come to meetings if I'm doing well. I mean, if I'm not doing well, so I go to meetings. But if I'm doing well, I don't go to meetings. I take my insulin daily. No matter what. Irrelevant to how I'm doing. I know really how I'm doing. I know how I'm doing. <laughs> I don't judge how I'm doing. I don't decide if my feelings are good or not. I show up here daily, every day. I give my life over to my sponsor. I tell my sponsor, hey sponsor, tell me what you don't want to tell me. Not what I want to hear. What do I need to improve? What do I need to change? How do I get better? Am I supposed to be that religious as I am? Am I supposed to be practicing what I'm supposed to be? Am I supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to do? Those people that are willing to do this and then follow, he goes on to say, and then follow these simple 12 steps of recovery are happy, joyous, and free and don't act out. And as sponsors, it's our obligation to give over this message to sponsees. And as sponsees, it's our responsibility to listen to this message and follow along and stop fighting. You're either all in recovery or you're not. There's no semi. And there are guys in our fellowship that are here for years that never walked into recovery. They're in fellowship. They're not in recovery. For years and years and years and years, and they wonder why. I don't understand. Why, why isn't it working? Because they came to the pool every day. They brought the towel. They came with the module. They have their perfect bathing suit. They never jumped into the pool. And some of them even jumped into the pool, but never looked at the instructor and said, teach me how to swim. Oh, you go like this. Oh, who said you go like that? Oh, tomorrow we're doing that stroke. I'm going to teach you. Show up tomorrow. I have to show up tomorrow. My wife needs me. Okay, you want to know why you're not swimming in, in 60 days. <laughs> That's how the program works for me. I came in here. I gave my will and my life over. I fought. Don't get me wrong. I was rebellious. I was confused. But after a while, this message seeped into me and I just gave up. And I just gave up. And I just said, whatever you say, that's what I'm going to do. And that's step three. We give our will and our life over to the care of God by giving it to our sponsor, by giving it to this fellowship, by committing to come, by, by humbling ourselves, by taking direction and doing the uncomfortable things in order to get comfortable. And by making this list and going over to the 10 guys who have what you want and say, hey, buddy, I'm in recovery for four or five years. Yes, I'm sober, but life sucks. My marriage, my children, my, 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 help me. Not, but my therapist told me, but I spoke to a guy. No. Walk out there and see. see. And the gifts are there for the taking. And we have an amazing fellowship over here, so we're very lucky. Thank you for letting me share. I appreciate it. And we will open up the floor for questions and answers. God willing. Did you jump in right away?
<laughs> no, so I said that. I said I didn't. No, I didn't jump in. The question, did I jump in right away? I didn't. I tested it out and tested it out and tested it out until I got my buck kicked enough times. But I'm grateful my sponsor wasn't so easy with me. I tested it out by convincing my wife to, to have sex with me when she wasn't interested. And my wife and my sponsor told me, you're on day one. What do you mean? It says in the white book, sex with spouse. He said, yeah, you had it with yourself. Happens to be you used your wife. So I got kicked. My sponsor told me, don't talk at meetings. You know, you're just, you're just, you're, you're trying to show people what to do and you're not listening to the message. So no, I didn't jump in right away. And it does take time for people. But the program says, and the literature says, that we strongly recommend that you do take this very seriously from the get-go. Very, very serious from the get-go. In AA, it's, you know, I didn't, I didn't do it perfectly, and there is no perfect. Nobody, it goes on to talk about, nobody could do this perfectly. We're not asking for perfection here. We're asking for get onto this road, this attitude, this frame of mind, this type of idea, as opposed to, okay, I checked the box, I came to three meetings this week, okay. Or I took an action to loss, and then I called my sponsor, I took an action on the loss, but I do want to let you know, I did the three meetings. He looks at his paper and he lists the, the sponsor, so his sponsor can't have anything over him. And I made the phone calls, you told me, and I read. And I took an action on the loss. Yeah. What, is your sponsor's fault? <laughs> he did something wrong? giving over your life to your sponsor and he just makes every decision for you. Like I have a hard time with, like, there's many things in my life. I'm not sure if I should speak to my sponsor or should make a decision or not. Very good question. So the question is, what is a sponsor for? But also, like, <clears throat> at what point, like, this program says to give over my whole thing. Beautiful. So I'm supposed to give my will and my life over to the care of God. We're saying that means give it over to the sponsor and the fellowship. What does that mean? What does that mean? What is the job of the sponsor? What am I really? What is he supposed to do for me? The sponsor's job is to give you a spiritual awakening as a result of these twelve steps. That is the answer to everything. I am not a spiritually alive. I'm spiritually dead. There's nothing more spiritually dead than masturbation and porn and lusting and taking what is not mine on this world. Nothing more spiritually dead. My sponsor's job is to work with me the 12 steps which gives me a spiritual awakening. Now that I'm awakened, I'm awake. I could start, I have a new pair of glasses. It's not all foggy, it's not all scratched up, it's not all cracked. I'm not self-centered in the extreme, I'm not egotistic. It's not about me. And, and, and now I'm awake. But I'm still humbled and know that that's a gift every day, so I check in and ask, am I awake? Because I don't know when I'm awake. Am I awake? Hey. I'm humble enough today to ask my wife that all the time. Hey, am I awake? Am I, am I alive? Is this coming from a, a good place, a bad place? I'm humble. But I, it's not I'm a piece of crap. It's not I'm a garbage. It's just the reality. I'm diseased. <coughs> Healthy, normal people don't do the things that I've done. <laughs> Even in recovery. 
and the things that you do. So I need to get awake. So I ask, hey, is going there when I'm sober for three months cold, I'm awake? Or is that coming from a lustful place? Getting that job, going there with my wife, because my wife wants me to go. Do I belong going? She told me I should go to the mall with her. What do you want? And I'm walking around the mall with googly eyes for two days. Three days later, I flirted with the girl in my office. I don't know why I was in a, such a spiritual place. I did everything you said. I'm, I'm meeting every single day. I come and I, I work my steps. What are you doing at a mall? The difference between a mall and a strip club for sexaholics mostly is a strip club. They strip in a mall. They wear their clothing on. So we need a little x-ray vision. Let's be honest. Like, who are we fooling? And if the mall is not your thing and your problem is the beach, so it's the beach. If it's the, it's the opposite, if it's, who cares? You know where your MO is. My MO used to be at one point the grocery store. Grocery store was the greatest place in the world. So innocent for everybody but me. Upon having a spiritual awakening as a result of these 12 steps, we carry the message to another sexaholic. It's step 12. How do I get a spiritual awakening? I have a sponsor, so when I say, I humble myself, I say, hey, teach me how to get that spiritual awakening. But if I call my sponsor, my wife, my wife, my children, my job, my blah, 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 and not sponsor, step one, sponsor, step two, sponsor, I need help, sponsor, sponsor, steps, 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 my job, not my sponsor's job. My sponsor has his own life. He got the spiritual awakening. He put in the work. It's my job to call him. Hey, I need help. You're not giving me the time. Please, I'm dying. You run after it like you run after a business deal. The seventh phone call in business, they say, is the one that gets you to deal, right? You call, you call, you call, you, you, you run after it, you kill it. You're willing to go to any lens. Picked up a sponsor, and the sponsor's really, so why did you pick him up for? Because you know that he's giving you the message that you want to hear. If your sponsor's giving you the message that you want to hear, he's not a good sponsor for you. If your sponsor is the guy that you resent, he's doing a good job for you. <laughs> Good, lucky you. I remember at a workshop in, in uh, one of the conventions I went to, the question was, what do I write down on my fourth step uh, if I resent my sponsor? He said, you write gratitude for your sponsor then. <laughs> lucky you. If you have a bastard as a sponsor, you're a lucky guy. Eventually you learn to love him. To pieces. Because he saves your life. <clears throat> slept with a hooker and I don't know what to do now and my wife wants me to and my children and Chaim, what should I do? Oi, are you serious? It must have been so difficult. Oy. You should know God loves you no matter what. And you're really a good guy and you're loved and don't beat yourself up. Don't be hard on yourself about it. You tell that to me, I feel enough release from feeling like shit to go to the next hooker. You just took that enough like pain and crap that it like like I'm ready to just do it again. Oh thank you. Oh Chaim, I did it again. Oh again? I'm sitting here killing myself, busting my ass, giving up everything to stay sexually sober and after here this guy is going to hookers. Die like I died. Die like Roy K says. Die to this, this disease. Walk through the horrible withdrawals that suck. Like I did. 
If somebody calls you and says he slept with a prostitute, say, I hope you enjoy it and hang up the phone. I didn't. Give him the real message. You're blowing your life up. You don't even know where you're heading. Give the real message. You're sitting and watching porn. You know what that's doing to you and your children? You don't even recognize it. Talk to him the truth. Oh, my children are doing great. Yeah. Like all of us were doing great when we grew up while our parents were doing their shit. That's how great our children are going to be doing. The message that I got, if my relationship with my children are not working out, it's because I'm not worked out. Period. There's no ifs, there's no buts, there's no anything. If I'm not staying sexually sober, it's because I'm that disease and I'm not willing to go to any lengths. If my relationship with my wife is not working out because I'm the problem, that's what the literature says. Period. There's no ifs, buts. There's nowhere in any of the books that says it a different way. And I never have seen it a different way. Yeah, when I'm an asshole, my wife is not the right girl for me. When I just checked out the hottest 10 babes on, on YouTube, no, she doesn't become number six in the hottest 10 babes. <laughs> yes, so I'm going to hate her and resent her for the fact that she didn't make supper. Yeah, when I'm letting myself live in fantasy and I'm going to fantasy about all the guys that are having sex upside down on the rooftop and then my wife tells me I'm not interested... And then I snap at her downstairs when she asks me to clean. It's not about the cleaning. I mean, it's not about the sex. No, no, it's about the cleaning. You know? Why are you asking me? Don't you know how hard I work? <coughs> of course. And I need my sponsor and I need people in the fellowship to be honest with me about it. Call me out on my shit. You're sober three, four years and you're continuously coming late to program? What are you doing? Be cooled out on it. And you're powerless. You might be broken. You don't know what to do about it. So go over to people and admit it. Work. I've seen tens of guys after two, three, five years of sobriety lose it. Because they're not taking it serious. So the job of the sponsor is to take a sponsor through the steps. That's it. My sponsor used to tell me, we'll talk about your wife in a year from now. And your kids and your finances. In one year. Right now we're doing the steps. What step? You don't know what my father did. I can't stay sober like this. What step? Oh, that's four. It sounds like a resentment. Okay, let's do four. I find it. Oh, that sounds like a fear. Oh, it sounds like you need to make amends to your mother-in-law. You just scream at her. Steps. <coughs> and the steps work. And that's why we do everything but the steps. Because we really don't want to get sober here. We don't want the pain of acting out. But we're going to stay sober. I just don't want the consequences of acting out. Like an old timer from AA told me once, he said to me, he said, Chaim, you think you married the wrong girl? You think she's a bitch? I said, pretty much. You think she's nagging? I said, yeah. And, and, yeah. Treat her like the hooker for the next 30 days. And then let me know if she becomes as beautiful and as amazing as the hooker was. I dare anybody to do that. Nobody ever tells the hooker, you have bad breath. I don't like your attitude. 
You're too bossy. Everything in the strip club is glamorous, beautiful, relaxing. There's no pressure in the world. Be like that for your wife. You need anything? Where well, I used to talk to the girl, you need anything? Can I give you something? Oh, $20? You know, <laughs> My wife calls, I need $20. For what? <laughs> Exactly for what? Didn't you already take everything in my wallet? Kind of, uh, it costed $160, the cleaning lady. $160? Didn't we just pay it three days ago? Like, I don't understand. The girl, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm lying in the coffee, right? I'm sitting there resentful. Why isn't my wife, I'm going out to eat with her and we're online by the coffee. Why isn't she making me the coffee, right? When I'm in the coffee shop and she's not there, every girl, oh, excuse me, you, you, excuse me, you, you need a coffee? I become the sort of gentleman. Gentlemen, I'm giving... Oh, the milk, I should pass you the milk, the milk. Treat your wife like that. Take care of your wife like that, your children like that. That's what the guy told me. The girl in the, who, who you have in mind, she screams at you. Oh, I'm so sorry. You don't call your sponsor. How do I make amends? You, you sit there like, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I, I'll never do that again. You also have all the... Exactly how to be the best gentleman in the world. That's how we stay sober in this program. We work as hard as staying sober as we did for our addiction. We'll do one quick last question and then we'll wrap it up. Go. Um, I work for myself and since I started coming to the program, it started getting harder and harder to get what done. Now I'm at a point where I could pretty much waste away my entire day. And, um, Doing good. Um, I spoke to my sponsor about it, but um, I, on the one hand, my, I feel like my recovery has been very, very solid. Um, I don't know if I've taken in any less since I came to the program. But um, on the other hand, I'm struggling with feeling like I'm giving over my will to God if I'm just wasting my day, I should be able to, you know, be more productive. So I'm it's late. Let me, let me just wrap it up. So the question basically is I'm doing well in recovery. I'm not taking actions less. I'm fairly new. But while I'm in work, I'm basically wasting my day over. Wasting my day. And therefore, I don't feel like I'm doing God's will because I'm wasting my day. Right? Beautiful. You're in an amazing place in recovery. That's the first thing. Um, we can't get off of our drug while we're busy with so many other things. Our body doesn't allow us to do that. Our body physically doesn't allow it. There are days still today, like yesterday, by the way. I, I just couldn't work. I just couldn't work. I just couldn't. And I need to be gentle on myself about that. That, that is doing God's will. Not forcing God's hand and saying, I got to work, but this is my responsibility. I owe it to my wife and children. No, I got to stay sober. That's it I got to do. A day with my head on the pillow, sexually sober, lust-free is a great day, irrelevant to anything else that took place in my life. <laughs> anything, and I mean anything. It's a, such a hard message, but it's such a real message. The days, there were days in recovery, you could imagine over 13 years, that I lost a lot of money. 
Remember calling other people and saying, you wouldn't believe it. I lost a significant deal and I thought it's going to help me here and I was waiting for this money and I needed it for this. And the guy in the other line would say, and you're putting your head on the pillow, lustry, sober. What a great day. Not whose fault is it that you lost the money. And that's giving our will over to the care of God. Appreciate you letting me share. And... Um I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.